Alrighty, guys, what is going on? Welcome back to the Eric Roberts Fitness Podcast. Hope you're doing super amazing. Today's episode is going to be a Q&A, um, and it was a Q&A that I asked on my Instagram story. So first and foremost, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm going to put the link for my Instagram here in the show notes below. But uh, yeah, I just simply asked, like, you know, I, I, I want to, I think I've been saying this for a while, but I want to do more of Q&As on this podcast and just hopefully, you know, trying to give back to you who are listening and following and I want to answer your questions and I want to help you out as much as I possibly can. So um, on my Instagram story, I just did like a Q&A. I was like, hey, listen, if you want questions answered, um, feel free to drop them below in, in the story and I'll try to get to them. So I actually got a, a quite a bit of few questions and I was stoked about that. So I picked I picked a couple here and uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of go through them. So the first one being... How can you build muscle? This is from Dave Khalil. Hopefully I said that right, Dave. Um, how can you build muscle using resistance bands and will it be at the same pace as dumbbells? So I know this is a huge thing right now with quarantine and with you know things going on. Some people don't have weights. Some people don't have barbells, dumbbells, whatever it is. I, I want to make this very clear first and foremost because if I did not, I would be shortchanging you. The best way to build muscle is going to be using external load. External load is normally in normally what external load is is using barbells, using dumbbells, using cable machines, using some sort of external load where you can progressively overload that load over time. So you know you can add weight to a barbell, you can do more weight on dumbbells, you can do more weight on the cable row, whatever it is. So that is going to be always the most optimal way for you to build muscle mass. Now let me say this. Is it impossible to build muscle using resistance bands? No, it's not impossible. But I think as you kind of already hit on, Dave, is something that I think you yeah you said, will it be at the same pace pace as dumbbells? I I don't think it will be at the same pace because eventually you're going to hit a hit a hit a ceiling. You're you're going to hit a cap. Like you can only make you know using those resistance bands so hard for 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 such an extended period of time. Like eventually those resistance bands are not going to be enough for you to elicit muscle growth. And and here's the thing, muscle growth comes from mechanical tension on your muscles. And again, you, you have to, no matter what, you have to provide your body a stress great enough to, to adapt to. So if you're not providing your body the stress to adapt to, aka in this instance, if you're not putting enough stress in your body to build muscle, it's not gonna build muscle. So can you do it? Yeah, it's definitely possible. And like, you know, for people that come to me who are clients, like, yeah, we, if you only have resistance bands and some light dumbbells, like I have programs for just resistance bands and light dumbbells. But again, eventually that's going to kind of taper out. So my question would be, what is, what is your goal? Like, are you trying to build massive amounts of muscle mass? Because if you are, yeah, you're, you're probably going to have to get some dumbbells. You're probably going to have to get a, a, your hand on a barbell or a hammer strength machine or, or something where you can where you can add weight to it. That being said, if you're looking to just be healthy, if you're looking to just, you know, move well, if you're looking to improve your shoulder health, like one, one thing I know for a fact is like, if anybody comes to me with any shoulder issues or, or they just want to get their shoulders healthy, I am using bands nonstop for that because that's one of the best things I've seen for as far as increasing shoulder mobility, increasing shoulder strength, inc- increasing scapular retraction, um, increasing everything that has to do with the shoulder. So, I, and for me, for example, before I head into the weights, I will do warm ups with resistance bands as far as like just kind of activating the muscles and, and getting them firing. So, can you build muscle? 
Yes, you can build muscle, but I, I want you to again. I'm just I'd be I'm very truthful in this channel. It's like I want to make sure you know that there's going to be a ceiling, and no, it's probably not going to be at the same pace as a dumbbell or a barbell would be. Again, just because there's you're you're gonna reach that threshold where yes, you will be able to put stress on your body. And for example, you could do you know one and one half reps you could do pause reps you could do isometrics you could do you could do a bunch of things like you can make like like for example if if you're doing a um a side a side lateral shoulder raise with bands what you can do is start the set with 45 seconds of an isometric hold so if you're doing a side lateral kind of kind of work with me work with me here you're raising your arms up and out to the side Hold that right there for 45 seconds and, and use that band to provide an isometric contraction for 45 seconds and then do, do your 12 reps, you know, do, do your three sets of 12 reps. But before you do those 12 reps, add in that 45 second isometric and then at the end, you can add in a 45 second isometric as well. Like that's going to burn your shoulders. That's going to be a ton of mechanical tension on your shoulders. You're probably going to build some muscle from that. But again, at the rate which that is going, you know, you're going to have to hold it for 50 seconds and then 60 seconds and then a minute and a half. And it's like, okay, well, we're holding this isometric for three minutes to do one set. Like, what are we really doing, right? So eventually it's going to tap out. So I would just say that, yeah, it's possible. And again, it all depends on your goals. If you're looking to be a bodybuilder, if you're looking to put on massive amounts of muscle, I would invest either A, getting some weights or B, going to a gym. But again, if you're looking to just kind of, I don't even want to say get by because that sounds like almost kind of negative. But if you're looking to, you know, do as best you can with what you have, yeah, I mean, there's definitely ways. Like I said, having isometric holds, um, doing one and one half reps. So, for example, again, just for the quick example of if you're doing a side lateral raise, you can go up halfway, all the way down, then up all the way, and then all the way down. Up halfway, down all the way, up all the way, down all the way. Like that's a one and one half rep. So, again, you're – you're putting more mechanical tension on your muscles than you would if you were just doing the regular sets and reps. And you can add eccentrics. For example, let's say, again, you're doing the side lateral raise. You can do, you can go up and do four seconds on the way down, then go right back up. Four seconds on the way down, go right back up. And again, that's putting more stress and tension on your muscles. So you can get creative, but again, eventually that's going to kind of tap out. So uh, yeah, that was a really good question. And again, I, th I think I think a lot of people can benefit from that question. So that was a really good question. But uh, yeah, I would say, uh, Dave, that's that's kind of my, my thoughts on resistance bands and as far as building muscle. Um, so yeah, that would be that. Great question. Um, all right, cool. Next one is going to come from, I know I'm going to get this name wrong, but Yarimar511, Y-A-R-I-M-A-R-511. Sorry if I messed that up. If I butchered that, I hate getting people's names wrong, but I'm incredibly sorry. Um so uh, he asked, what should a rest day consist of? Should I still try to get my steps in and some stretches? Another great question, actually. Um, so here's my thing. What, what I do with all of my online coaching clients is every rest day we have, we try to get eight to 12,000 steps no matter what. And honestly, every day we try to get that, but I, I understand if some people are doing an hour workout, that's going to take away from getting step where you could be getting steps. So I would say on your rest days, definitely getting steps in is a, is a great idea. Um, I like me personally, I like doing two to three 10 minute walks and then taking one longer walk. So maybe one like 30 minute walk. Um, that way it kind of splits my day up because I sit at my computer all day now. So I like having that time to break, break that time up and I can get a walk in. I can make some content. I can do a TikTok video. Um, I can come back, do some work. I can eat, go out and uh, get a walk again, which is actually side note. If you, 
if you take a walk after you eat, there's a few studies out there. One of the biggest persons that that popularized this was Stan Efferding. But if you take a 10 minute walk after you eat, there have been multiple studies that show you can you can improve your your insulin um, resistance. So I mean, if if you take a walk after you eat, that's a great idea. I, I do that as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I like doing that because again, it just kind of breaks up the monotony of the day where like. It's not that long where like I'm going to take an hour walk in between my you know my, my work, but I can take a little five or ten minute walk, kind of break things up a bit, and then get right, right back to it. So um, and then yeah, later on I'll take a thirty minute, forty minute walk, just kind of get out and uh, again make some content or whatever. But uh, but yeah, so I would definitely recommend getting steps in. Um, that's that's definitely number one. That, that's my that's my favorite form of cardio. Low intensity, steady state cardio tends to be the best for fat loss results. Um, it's just it's just so great for you. Um, so I would definitely recommend getting steps in, um, getting in some stretches. Yeah, man, like that's definitely up to you. I know, for example, when I was having really bad hip issues, on my rest days, I would do twenty to forty minutes of mobility work for my hips. So, like again, this these are things like um, you could do like adductor work, you could do like adductor stretches, you could do glute stretches, you could do you know anything that. Or again, if you're if your shoulders are messing with you, cool, like do 10 to 20 or 30 minutes of like shoulder mobility, you know, do some like light band work, do some, you know, movement through your shoulders, like get some work in there. Like I, I know when I, especially when I had real bad problems with my hips, I would, I would, on my rest days, I would definitely do that. But uh, other than that, like I would definitely say stretching can help in that aspect. Um, and again, just kind of like mentally de-stressing more than anything else, like kind of just like giving yourself a break from the workouts. Cause I know, I mean, again, for example, if you're if you're pushing yourself hard as you can in your workouts, which I would ask if you are, but if you are pushing yourself in your workouts, you need that day mentally to recover more than anything. And I actually follow a guy on Instagram who is a is a pretty accomplished bodybuilder, but uh, he talked about like you know, yes, it's like a physical tax on your body, your your muscles are getting taxed, your your nervous system is getting taxed, but also like mentally, if you're like pushing yourself, going into every set, like pushing balls to the walls, like mentally it's going to get to you a bit. So like having that rest day to rest. And and, I, and that's a that's a big problem. People think that on their rest days they should be doing something. On your rest days you should be resting. That's what the rest days are for. Mentally you should be resting, physically you should be resting. Like yes, get some steps in. Yes, get some low intensity cardio if you want. Yes, get some stretching whatever, but you should be mentally and physically resting on your rest days. You do not have to work out seven days a week to see the best results. And, and in fact, if you do work out seven days a week, you're you're probably not going to see the best results. I'm I'm guilty of this more than anybody else because in my first, I'd say my first two and a half years of lifting, I I did not have a rest day. I'd work out seven days a week. Some days I'd work out two times a week. But at at the end of that kind of two two and a half year mark, I was like, okay, why am I not seeing progress? Like, what am what is going on? I'm working out seven days a week, sometimes twice a day. Like, why, why am I not seeing progress? It was because I'm not letting my body recover. You have to remember that. I talked about it earlier, but working out is a stress on your body. If if that is what you do when you're in the gym, you put a stress on your body and you tear your muscle fibers down. For you to be able to you know grow stronger, grow bigger muscles, whatever it is, you have to recover from that stress. And if you're not recovering from that stress you put on your body, you're not going to see change, whether it's strength gains, whether it's muscle building, you're, you're not recovering. So you're not seeing progress. But and then again, most people don't. And, and I again, I was guilty. I was not thinking about that. I was like, no, no, more, more, more. The more I work out, the more results I'll see and more, more, more. That's not the case at all. You have to prioritize recovery, especially if you if you live a high stressful life, if you if you don't sleep eight to nine hours a night, 
That's one thing right there. People ask me all the time, like, well, I want to work out five or six days a week. I'm like, cool, but you sleep five hours a night. Like, you're just not going to see results that way. It's just the bottom line. Your body will not be able to recover from that. So I would say your rest days are meant to rest. Make sure that you're taking that time to kind of step back and, again, like, yes, get steps in. Sure, do stretches. Both those things, I think, are amazing options. But mentally and physically, give yourself a break because you are going to need that. Again, and, and that was the one of the, the biggest things I saw with myself was when I started to scale back to like four, four four days a week to maybe five days a week. I don't do much five day a week anymore. I might start doing five day a week though. But um, when I started to scale back, I realized like, holy crap, I went into my workouts actually feeling recovered, actually feeling good, actually wanting to push myself, actually, you know, lifting heavier weights and seeing progress because I was recovering now. So when you recover, you go into those next workouts more ready, more, more, more motivated, more, more pushed to push yourself. Because if you're just broken down the entire time, you're going to go in, you're going to have shit workouts, the weights are going to feel heavy, you're not going to feel like you're making much progress. And it's probably because you're not because you're not allowing yourself to recover. So um, great question. It's, it's something most people struggle with. So again, I would say rest days are for or for resting. That's that's what they're for. Um, so next question comes from Mary. Mary Souther. What's up, Mary? How you doing? Um, why do muscles twitch after workouts? And is there a way to make this stop? Great question, Mary. Um, why do muscles twitch after workouts? It could be a few things. Could be because they're incredibly sore. Could be because uh, could be because you're not hydrated properly. So like if you're and not just like drinking water, but if your electrolyte balance is off. So if you don't have the, you know, the adequate sodium, potassium, magnesium, that could be a reason why you're having some twitch action going on. And uh, for that reason, I would say, again, just kind of look at your sodium, potassium, magnesium. Mayor, I know you personally. So like I would say you, uh, you can you can start tracking your sodium, potassium, magnesium. So like, you know, I, I know you track many things as it is already, but if you wanted kind of one more thing to kind of look at just for a fun experiment, um, I would track your sodium, potassium, magnesium. I would track your water intake and I would see what your pee looks like. And that's because if you are dehydrated or, or you don't have a good electrolyte profile, your pee will either be really, really, really yellow or your pee will be clear. And if it's one of those two things, something's probably off and you, and you probably need to look at that. If your pee is like a lemonade color, you're pretty much on point. That's good because if your pee is clear, that means you don't have any water-soluble vitamins to be excreting. Like you're just peeing out, you know, water. you don't have vitamins in you. So like your electrolyte balance is probably going to be off. So, but again, if, if it's dark yellow, then that means you're not drinking, you know, you're not adequately hydrated. So being being in the middle with pretty much everything in fitness is, is normally where you want to be. But uh, but yeah, I would say take a look at your electrolyte balance. So for example, like if, if, if that keeps happening... You can look at, okay, are you salting any of your meals? Like how much sodium are you getting a day? Are you, you know, maybe lightly salt one to four, one to three meals a day or, or two to three meals a day just to get some extra sodium in? Because I know, I know you particularly, Mayor, I know you sweat a lot. So uh, if, if you are able to replenish that that sweat and re, because you're obviously excreting vitamins there as well. So if you're able to replenish that, that might be able to help. Um, and look at your potassium, magnesium. So like, for example, are you having potatoes? Are you getting potassium from your potatoes? Um that's my most favorite way. Um, spinach as well, both good for magnesium, potassium. So um, you can start to look at like diving into foods that actually get you those vitamins and actually get you those minerals that can help you stay hydrated. Um, because as far as your your muscles twitching and stuff, that's normally that has to do with either just being really really sore or just being under dehydrated, underhydrated as far as your electrolyte profile. So uh, yeah, I would look at I'd look at those things. Um, if you have further questions, Mary, you know where to find me. But uh, I, th I think that can be um, a kind of a good start for you and kind of a, a good head to where you want to be. So hope that helped, Mary. 
Um, all right, cool. The next one we are diving into is um, for my boy Coach Pinheiro, that my man. This dude's a, he's awesome. He's he's a newly he he's a new uh, strength training coach, and he's just he's the man. So I, I love hearing from him. Um, so uh, okay, so he asks, why is there a fear of putting weight back on when when reverse dieting? Great question. Very, very good question. Um, and, and for you, those, those of you who do not know, reverse dieting is basically when you get to your goal body weight, quote unquote, you've lost the weight, you know, you've been in a calorie deficit for an extended period of time, which means you're going to lose weight. So once you do that, you can't stay in that calorie deficit for the, you know, the rest of your life, you're going to have to start to eat more calories, because if you stayed in a calorie deficit, you would dwindle down to nothing, no, no body mass, no, no muscle mass, no fat, no, you would literally be nothing, because you just be in a calorie deficit the entire time, you just keep losing um, body mass. So um, that's, that's kind of what reverse dieting is, is, is working your way back up in calories. So let's say for just for a quick example, you were eating 1400 calories to lose weight, like, but your maintenance calories is 2000, right? So your, your calorie deficit was 1400. That means you lose weight, but your maintenance is 2000. So you have to work your way back up to maintenance to, to maintain your weight and to not, again, continue to just lose weight forever and ever and ever. And you do it down to nothing. So uh, why is there a fear of gaining weight back? Because it's a very psychological thing. Like for somebody who's been overweight and they finally lost the weight, they don't want to be overweight ever again. Like they don't ever want to go back to that. It's it's a very psychological thing of eating more food and their mind automatically thinks they are going to gain weight back because that's that's what they did before and, and they, they don't want to they don't want to fall back into those old habits. That that's that's the biggest thing I've seen with people reverse dieting is Number one, they don't want to gain the weight back. But number two is they don't want to fall back into those bad habits. They, they don't want to fall back into, oh, well, I can eat more. So, uh, you know, I can have a little bit more here and I can have a little bit more there. And like they feel almost like they're going to slip and be out of control. Whereas if you're properly doing a reverse diet, it's not going to happen because you're not like going from, I mean, this is the, just the way I do it, but you're not going from 1400 calories to 2200 calories. Like, slowly but surely you're going from 1400 to 1500 to 1550 to 1650 like you're slowly working back up so it's not like you're making this one big jump some some people like doing the one big jump and like i, I know a few coaches who enjoy doing the one big jump as well as far as like if, you, if your deficit's 1400 and your maintenance is 2000 some coaches will just take you right at 2000 and like for some people that's totally fine like that that definitely works but me personally as far as just dealing with the psychological side of things slowly working your calories back up can kind of keep you in control because you're not just kind of going overboard. You're still sticking to a plan. You're still sticking to calories. You're still, you know, you're still counting. You're still doing these things to make sure that, okay, yes, I'm increasing my calories, but I'm, I know for a fact I'm not going overboard because I'm still tracking and I'm still sticking to a certain calorie amount. And slowly over, you know, four, six, eight weeks, that's how you get more comfortable eating more food is just slowly working your way back up. So I would say that the the, the fear of gaining weight, it, it really comes from the fact that they were overweight before. They don't they, they finally have lost the weight and they don't want to they don't want to get back there. And then obviously like some people don't really I don't want to say they don't understand, but like again, they think eating more than their calorie deficit is going to make them gain weight when it's like, no, there's a calorie deficit, a calorie maintenance and a calorie surplus. If your calorie deficit is 1400, I can assure you your calorie maintenance is, is not going to be like 1500. Like it's you're, you, you have a big range here and people think like it's one specific number. 
especially for maintenance, it's more of a range. So like, for example, if that person was having 1400 calories to lose weight, their maintenance range is probably like 1900 to 2200. So like, again, but they, again, they think that if they eat that many calories, they're going to gain weight. So I would say that's, that's the biggest thing. And, And again, if you, if you are looking for kind of like a coach side of it, just kind of taking them through that process slowly of like, listen, there's a calorie deficit, a calorie maintenance, a calorie surplus, you know, reverse dieting is working your way back up. Honestly, you're still going to be in, like, here's the thing too. People lose weight in a reverse diet and they're like, well, how the hell does that happen? I'm increasing my calories. You're still in a calorie deficit for the first three, four, 500 calories, right? Like, cause you're taking away from maintenance. So let's just, for a quick example, say your maintenance is 1900 and you take away 500 calories and that's your calorie deficit. So you, you lose about a pound a week. People increase to 15, 1600, and they're still losing weight. They're like, oh, what the heck? It's like, you're still in a deficit. That's why you still lose weight on a reverse diet, is you're still in a deficit. So um, explaining that kind of part of it too, like, listen, here's your maintenance calories. This is how many calories your body burns. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that, again, to, to go back to the original question, the, the fear of gaining weight is just they desperately do not want to go back to what they were. They, they don't want to fall back into old habits. They don't want to gain the weight back. And it's, it's honestly one of the toughest things as far as like, just from a coach perspective, like I, I see people struggle with this so much. And like, I've had a few of my clients, they, they just, I don't want to say they struggle, but like mentally there's like, there's no way I can eat more food. Like I don't want to eat more food because I'm going to gain weight. And I'm like, promise you're, you're going to be okay. Um, so yeah, that was the, uh, that's reverse dieting kind of in a nutshell and why there's a fear of it. Um, really good question. Um, so love that one. Um, so just kind of rounding things out here. Um, this last question comes from Mar underscore cam 89. Um, what are the best protein bars out there? And this is funny because I actually, I worked in a GNC for, I think it was two and a half years. So, uh, if you would have asked me two and a half years ago, I would have freaking been all over this question. Um, but with that being said, now the more I know about nutrition, the more I know about food, I'm not really the biggest protein bar fan. And that's only because most of what they do, it's just a, like a glorified candy bar is really all a, most what most protein bars are. Um, and so that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm not a huge fan. It's just because it's it's literally just like, again, a glorified candy bar. Like you're not getting much nutri- nutritional value out of it. On top of that, it, you have to make sure that the protein in the protein bar is actually a good quality source because a lot of companies just use like BS sources of protein and say that, you know, it's 25 grams of protein. But excuse me, cool. What is that? What's what? What is that? Pro- where is that protein coming from? So that's one reason. Another reason is a lot of the protein bars have either a high sugar, which sugar is not bad, but I mean, it's not really, you don't want to be having a ton of it, right? So it's high sugar or in my opinion, even worse, those sugar alcohols, those things fuck with my stomach so bad. It's like not even funny. Um, and it's funny because I would be at GNC and like just mashing protein bars all day long because like that's what's in there, right? Like I'm just going to eat the fucking protein bars. Um, and my stomach would just be wrecked. Like I would feel like shit. I'd be tired. I'd be lethargic. I wouldn't my, – my, my digestion would be awful. And it always came back to like, you know, the Quest bars or whatever it is. Like it just wrecked my stomach. Um, so for me personally – if you're going to have a protein bar, um, my favorite is the RX bars. Um, again, it's not like a quote unquote protein bar, but the reason I love those bars and there's a few other ones, I'm kind of drawing a blank right now as far as the other ones, but uh, I know for a fact, the RX bars, all of the, all the ingredients in there is just, it's just whole foods. Like they're dates, they're egg whites, they're, they're something else, but like, it's all just whole foods. And so number one, you know what you're getting, like, you know what you're eating. You're not eating thing out of a protein bar. That's just like a really a candy bar. 
B, you know the protein source from it. It's egg whites, which is a good quality protein source. And, and, and then B, or I'm sorry, C, I think it's a third one. Yeah, C, you're going to be whole food. I, I always prefer eating and, and, and doing everything whole food as opposed to like a supplement. Not to say protein shakes are bad or protein bars are bad. Like I obviously understand if your protein goal is 150 a day, it's kind of hard to hit 150 a day without a, you know one protein shake. That's totally fine. Um, but what I am saying is I always prioritize whole food over those supplements first. So again, if you can get whole food before you get a protein bar with a protein supplement in it, I would do that. And again, like this is this is a bar, this 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 RX bar. I use these with a ton of my clients. I've heard nothing but good feedback from them. So personally, I would I would look up RX bars and kind of do your research there. Um, there's a few other ones that are similar to RX bars, um, but my biggest thing again is look at the ingredients and see if they're if they're actually if it's if it's real food. If if you know what is actually in the bar. Again, for the RX bars, they're like they're dates. Um, there might be peanut butter. There might be um, uh, uh, they're, they're egg white protein. So again, like I know what those things are, like it's just real food. And again, that helps with digestion. That helps with your body actually digesting real food. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'd say on protein bars. Um, I would look at the RX bars and kind of give those a shot first and then kind of like branch off from there. But, uh, if, if you are going to go like the protein bars, just look at the ingredients, make sure you, you know, what's in the ingredients, make sure you know what's going on there. You know what the protein sources are and all those kind of things. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Um, and that's all the questions I got for today, guys. I, I, that was a fun one for me. Um, I enjoy going a bit more in-depth on questions. I enjoy doing it in a podcast format as well. So, uh, again, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'll put the link to my Instagram here in the show notes. Feel free to head there and follow me. Um, probably every week I'm going to be trying to do a podcast like this. So I'm going to try to get your questions answered. Um, and, yeah, if you enjoyed it, feel free to shoot me a message or let me know or, or leave a comment below on the uh, on the iTunes show notes. But, uh, but, yeah, other than that, guys, thank you so much, and we'll talk soon.